0: Are you tired of all the voices who say focus on the bottom line numbers? Say whatever you have to. Just close the sale. Just get the credit card. It doesn't matter what you deliver. You will never build a successful business until you grow a pair and stop caring so much. Here, we respectfully disagree. We give you permission to embrace who you are, how much you care, and encourage you to design a business that works for you and your clients. Welcome to the Art of Giving a Damn, the podcast that proves with every single episode that you can create a profitable business doing what you're passionate about and making a positive difference in the world.
1: So we're all busy, we're working moms, we all love our children, and we all are walking around with the guilt that our children don't feel our love enough because we're so busy telling them what they're not doing right and how they should sit up straight and you know uh, do their homework before they go out to play and uh, love their little brothers and never fight. So I created a free download, which is just one page, and it takes 60 seconds, and it's divided into three steps that are clear for any mother And I know that we all have 60 seconds a day, as busy as we are and as, you know, um, out of the house, many hours out of the house as we can be in and whatever we're contending with. So in your 60 seconds, when you download the One Minute Mother, you will now know the three steps that it takes to create a loving memory. And I find that when we put loving memories into the memory bank on the love bank between mother and child. That sets the foundation for any kind of parenting and requests and demands that we have down the road. And it's something that once we get used to and we know how to do, I say we have confidence when we have confidence. So when you know how to, you will. So if you go to the Mommy Guilt Expert and you download the free gift, you will have immediately in your hands the one-minute mother where you will go through step one, two, and three, which works on any age and any stage child from when you're holding them in your arms until they're, you have to call them up from outside when it gets dark, when they didn't even want to come in and do homework and eat dinner. And that's for all of us, no matter what our profession is, no matter what age our children are, and you're the one that's going to fill in the blanks to love your child and create a memory that will last a lifetime. I think that working moms who need to streamline their parenting and their skills at work are going to feel so at home in my GPS method because all you have to know is the colors of the traffic light, and I explain everything. Green, love, go. Red, authority, no. And yellow, trust, slow. All three components can be used at home to parent and raise the m- most loving, uh, um, capable, mature children while you invest in your career and the same exact skills can be transferred and implemented in your workplace so that when you're working you're practicing to be a better mom and when you're at home on a long weekend using those skills you go back monday morning so much more um, ready and capable to enhance your business and expand it so it works for moms dads anybody Who is involved in raising your child and I prepared a bonus for your audience for the special moms who are dedicated and devoted and committed and just need me to hold their hand take them through it so that they can enjoy every single moment they're raising their child and not be concerned that they'll have regrets looking back thinking I could have, and I should have done it differently. So if they go to www, GPS now bonus, again, GPS now bonus, they will receive lifetime access to this GPS online program and the extra bonus, which is a secret, but it's something that is going to resonate with working moms, and all of you will enjoy what I am giving you, prepared for you, what I struggled with raising my six children, and I want to ask you to join thousands of working moms across the globe learning how to live and love raising their children while they invest in their career.
0: Now here's your host, Michelle Schaefer. Welcome to another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. My guest today is Amanda Neely. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, I gotta say, anybody who lists in their bio that they have at one point run a coffee bar is going to get my attention. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. I'm drinking some locally uh, sourced
0: coffee right now. (laughs) Nice. We definitely have to talk about that. Well, let me introduce you to the audience here. You are a business planning and financial coach who works with activists and entrepreneurs. Along with your husband, you did found and run a coffee place called Overflow Coffee Bar. Uh, From 2008 to 2018, that's awesome. Uh, Now you share your knowledge about creatively solving the challenges that are inherent in building wealth in the 21st century. Things are not the same as they used to be, and some things never change. So I'm I'm interested in getting into that conversation. Um, But I love the phrase you use, even with all of the financial advice and training out there, we're still in a pickle. And I think a lot of people listening would go – Yeah, my financial situation has been is maybe in the future in a pickle. We all have been there or know somebody who's there, and even as you get things going, if you don't have the background and the information on how to build and manage wealth, it's challenging. It's a new area for a lot of us, so uh, that's what you focus on is back-to-basics wealth strategies that really have stood the test of time as well as practical modern modernizations, (laughs) including building wealth in ways that have a positive social impact, which is one thing I found interesting about the way that you approach this. So, boy, where should we start? Um, You've had a lot of different hats over the years. Where did you start out as far as your own business, and what led you to where you're at now?
2: Yeah, um, so really, like, my career path has been informed by, you know, my upbringing. When I was born, my parents are in public assistance. Okay. My mom went back to school when she was in her 30s in order to be able to provide for our family and uh, kind of bring us out of poverty, which she she did, and she's one of my heroes because of that. And so then when I was looking at what do I want to do with my life, I started in the nonprofit sector because I wanted to be of service. I wanted to make an impact, you know, change the world. Yeah. And as I did that, I started seeing, so I was on the fundraising side and in particularly doing grant writing. And so when I like looked at what I was doing, I was like, really what this boils down to is I'm taking rich people's money and then telling poor people what to do with it, Mm -hmm. like, and how, how they need to help themselves. And I felt that that just didn't sit right with me. I thought, how can we empower people that are experiencing poverty to help themselves and decide the best way forward for themselves? Yeah. Based on, you know, academic research, based on, you know, Uh, factors that, you know, we can think through together and all that, but really where they get to decide their own future, not just do what an outsider, you know, tells them to do. Yeah, And that's what led me to the business world, because I really saw that, you know, small businesses within communities can generate funds within those communities that can be used for community improvement. So that's really what our coffee shop was all about.
0: That is so cool. You know, one of the conversations that I have with people a lot of times are like, why did you get into business for yourself? Why do you focus on helping other people with starting their own business? I'm like, because I believe that entrepreneurship will solve most of the problems we have in this world. And that's a great example of it. Because when you do empower people, and they have the finances to go out and say, these are the things that matter to me, communities become better. Um, So talk to me about the coffee shop and and how, how that worked yeah so um
2: we're in Chicago. we were on the south side in Chicago, but like right next to downtown okay. um, so kind of that um if I don't people might not be familiar with Chicago, but the south side it's a very uh still somewhat segregated city um, okay. it's very diverse, but there's a lot of segregation, and the south side is typically uh more poor more um black and brown communities and the right next to downtown um, on the south side there's been a lot of uh, development and growth and some of that they st- Uh, specifically tried to not push people out and um, Mm -hmm. not just gentrify the whole area. So that's where we ended up locating. Um, And the idea, you know, partially to uh, be that gateway of of jobs for people, um, Uh impact that community, and then spread to other communities uh, throughout the South Side that were being marginalized or not included within the whole you know the city as a whole mm-hmm. and i learned so much through those 10 years from writing the business plan to when we sold it and we actually ended up selling it to a nonprofit that oh, wow. specifically trains black and brown entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. it has an incubator program and a co-working space to help them and and then so our business became one of their training grounds to huh. do that
0: Oh what a what a cool way to transition out of it. I was actually going to ask you know, what made you decide to leave it, but that makes total sense leaving it in the hands of somebody who you trust to continue what your mission was with it. Yeah. There was other factors too like I was pregnant
2: <laughs> and oh, we uh, thought, you know, do let's, let's think through what we're going to do with our lives now that we're going to have a
0: baby around, you know. <laughs> that revelation uh, does tend to make one stop and go, okay, (laughs) what's my plan? Uh, Totally get that. You know, that's interesting because so many entrepreneurs who are building virtual businesses, you know, when I have conversations with them, I'm like, no, this really isn't a huge expense. No, you really have a great profit margin because they don't have that frame of reference for everything that goes into a brick and mortar style business. And, it really is a, a whole different level when you're dealing with that kind of thing. So you guys left the coffee business, and now your focus is Grandma's Wealth Wisdom, which you've got a fantastic podcast and blog around. I was looking through some of the uh, information you had on your blog, and I, I really do love the spin you've got on it of the idea of building wealth that your grandma would be proud of because I think that's one of those questions. I remember of my business coaches one time, said to me, you know, if you're trying to make a decision, and especially if it's like a moral, ethical kind of decision of values-based thing, and you don't know what to do, ask yourself, if your decision were up on a billboard and your grandmother was driving by, how would you feel about it? So mm-hmm. I love that idea of building your business, building your wealth in a way your grandma can be proud of. Talk to us about that project.
2: Yeah, it's been really fun. Um so my husband and I, we do that together, and we had an awesome mentor that came into our lives a couple years into business that became our financial advisor, gotcha. and he helped us tremendously get out of debt personally, get our business out of debt, like be, have a really solid foundation. So when we started thinking about like what's our next business, what could we do, you know, and you know have our family going, you know, all those kind of things, and we actually we were able to start training with him to like do what he does uh, okay. for other people so that that was kind of when we when we started we were just like oh we're just gonna do what he does but then as we started thinking about well we really need more like a more implicit distinction that we we are values uh, and ethics based yeah. in what we're doing and we thought grandma was a great way to purse you know per- put a persona to that uh, that you know grandma has that perspective of her many years of wisdom, and um, you know grandma's not you know there there might be the grandma that's going to rob a bank or you know do the unethical thing, but your oh typical grandma oh right. you're not thinking that way
0: no. <laughs> Oh, my, that's hard to imagine. Uh, you know, that that is, and it's, I think, for a lot of us, depending on, you know, age, range, and generation, like, a lot of us have grandmothers who, because they lived through depression or they lived through one of the world wars or things like that, they do have a different perspective on how to manage money in a way that is financially sound because it wasn't a, I'm going to get a job, and because of, you know, all these factors, my job is secure for the rest of my life, which job security is, is not what many people want to believe it is. But because there were so many ups and downs of things that they lived through, they do have a different lens that they view building wealth through.
2: Yeah. And that lens is particularly helpful, I think, for people who came of age, were looking for jobs um, out of college during the Great Recession that, you know, we can learn a lot from the people who lived through the Great Depression (laughs) And uh, kind of, there's more similarity, I think. So I'm a millennial between, you know, our generation and the greatest generation, you know, our grandparents' generation than there is between us and our parents who lived, you know, maybe we're born right after World War II, lived through, you know, the roaring stock market from 1980 to 2000. You know, very different climate now than what what our parents experienced during that time.
0: Well, I think that's one of the things that, That needs to be more in the discussion when it comes to building wealth is this idea of you can't make projections based on what I see today is what's always going to be here because (laughs) the only thing we know is that it cycles everything is up and down and constantly changing from not just one generation to the next but one decade to the next and sometimes from one year to the next. You know, with with everything going on right now in our country, especially, we have no idea what we might wake up to tomorrow or next week when it comes to where the stock market or investments or anything else may be.
2: Yeah, for sure. And one of the things I've been thinking about uh, as we, you know, named our new endeavor Grandma's Wealth Wisdom is how we define wealth and of course there's you know monetary wealth but there's also relational and health you know health and all those things that really go into wealth but I think grandma would define wealth as financial security Mm -hmm. that like she knew knows you know what she's going to have tomorrow regardless of you know the person that made a decision on the stock market you know Um, and that uh, you know that factor you know that of the financial security being uh knowing your money safe at least a portion of it and then you know risk where you want you know but having that safety set aside first that's really where we specialize mm. uh, we call ourselves safe money experts um you know there's okay. plenty of people out there that will gladly put oh. your money to risk
0: <laughs> oh yes there you are <laughs> yeah that's easy to find um it, so a question for you, you know, for for entrepreneurs who are at a place in their business where they are starting to look at not just, you know, survival day to day or month to month, but you know, they've got basics covered, they know they're starting to be in a position where they are building wealth, what would you advise them to do as a few first steps for putting that safe foundation in place?
2: Yeah, so the a big thing that people start to think about is retirement planning. You know, um, as an entrepreneur, you're not going to necessarily have an employer that's matching a 401k contribution or anything like that. But you also get to make a 100% of the decision of how you're going to save for retirement. It's entirely within yeah. your hands, It's kind of scary, but also hopefully empowering. Yeah,
0: <laughs> both so, of those things, definitely. <laughs> yeah,
2: but at the same time, you know, between now and when you retire, whether that's in 10 years or 30 years, there's going to be things that happen in your business that you don't you don't want to lock up your money in a prison that might give you a 10% penalty if you want to access it, to use it to grow your business or to go through it if you go through an emergency within your business or personally. So uh, we like to look at both the short-term and medium-term needs as well as that long-term retirement and kind of figure out a way to balance those things, say for retirement in a a vehicle that's going to keep your money accessible to you so you can use it between now and then. And maybe it's not for your business. Maybe it's for a kid's college or maybe it's to buy your first home or, you know, and then also balance that with paying off debt. Maybe there's strategies for paying off debt that aren't going to sacrifice your retirement long-term. We like to like think through all those things in a like a whole approach and put together a strategy that's looking at not just the long term, not just the short term, but the whole picture.
0: That makes a lot of sense because the last thing you want to do is lock money up where it's not available for other needs that may come up in your business or your family life. So you brought up the idea of debt, and I know that's one thing that – Everybody has a different opinion on. I would love to hear yours. Do you see debt as something that should be avoided, period, never okay, or something that people should use strategically to grow their business? Um, where do you come down on that debate?
2: Yeah, um, so is it okay if we do a little fun exercise? Sure. Okay. So let's say you have um, $100,000 and uh, just, you know, like equity in a home. Let's just okay. use that as an example. Um, and you could uh, take out a mortgage. Let's say that mortgage is like 4.5% interest mm-hmm. uh, on that $100,000. Um, and then let's say you took that out, that equity within your home, that 100000 and instead you put it into a vehicle that – I uh, was going to uh, pay you three and a half percent in interest. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a smart decision?
0: Well, if I remember my math correctly, it seems like you'd be losing a percent. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So at the
2: at the beginning you would right. Okay. So then over time you start making your payments on your mortgage, and that four and the the first year you pay four and a half percent on that one hundred thousand in interest. So you're paying like four thousand five hundred. But as, the, as you make those payments, your mortgage amount's gonna go down, right. so then that 4.5% goes down as well, right? Mm-hmm. What happens with the other account if you've got $100,000 there that's gaining 3.5% interest? Right.
0: So it would be growing
2: <laughs> yeah. instead of so going that down. First, Yeah, that first year you'd, you'd get 3500 right? So you'd have 103500 How much do you get the second year?
0: that's going to require regulator more. A more. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so that's an, you, not saying that that's what any, anybody should do, but mm-hmm. that's the kind of thinking that sometimes we like to play with. So mm-hmm. if you knew that 3.5% was going to be there over the next 30 years and you'd pay off that $100,000 mortgage payment in 20 years, you know, that might make sense but you also wouldn't want to risk that $100,000 on a roulette uh, wheel,
0: you know? (laughs) Don't take (laughs) it to Vegas, no. Right,
2: right. (laughs) Same, like, maybe you wouldn't want to put it in the stock market because you don't really know what's going to happen with it over time. Uh, Maybe, you know, so, but what if you could find a vehicle uh, that would guarantee you that increase and maybe, um, you know, see that compounding effect every year, then maybe the debt makes sense to, to take out that debt and go after it. Um, but at the same time, you know, if that would stress you out, if that, you know, wouldn't feel good, you know, to, to have that debt, you know, uh, then maybe you don't do it, but if you can live with, I could cash out that you know, that money that's growing and pay off the mortgage at any time, then it might, it's, I'm not really in debt, then, maybe you'd feel okay with that. That's the kind of thing we like to explore with people um, mm-hmm. as they're deciding, do I pay off debt or do I go a
0: different route? Yeah, that makes sense really looking at the holistic view of the balance sheet and what are your assets and who, what are the, the other pieces there. So that, that's a, an interesting answer. Uh, thank you. I'm sure you get that question all the time, but I know it's one that like every financial advisor out there seems to have a different different take on it. <laughs>
2: Mm -hmm. personally I paid off my student debt as quick as I could Um, I I, you know didn't feel comfortable with that you know kind of debt but also I'm I would feel comfortable with a mortgage uh, as long as it's not more than you know the equity that I have in my home and I want to you know I'm not paying um, mortgage insurance you know because I didn't put enough down payment you know there's ways to be smart about debt that way.
0: Right. Well, and that's where it makes sense to get the help from somebody who sees the whole picture and knows the, you know, do's and don'ts and where things Mm -hmm. tend to go wrong and tend to go right, um, because most of us are definitely not experts in that particular field. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, so as you're working with people and looking at those different pieces of their financial health, what are some of the biggest things that you see uh, entrepreneurs managing their businesses doing right or wrong?
2: Yeah, um, so the wrong, you know, the big one is not knowing their numbers, not having a clear picture of where things stand, yep. um, and kind of just putting their fingers in their ears and going, la, 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 la. doesn't work. <laughs> right, and it's, it's fun, then, to see them say, okay, I know I want to change, and then I just want someone to help me walk through it. Um, you know, we're entrepreneurs. A lot of us, including myself, have that free-spirited side, yes. um, and It's fun to maybe, for a couple hours, set aside that free-spirited side, get serious about things, um, have someone else crunch the numbers for you so you don't have to play with the spreadsheets, but then, you know, come back to the free-spirited side knowing you've got a plan, you know, like, and that you can be more free-spirited in other ways. So that's a big thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, one of the things that was a big... um, well, smack in the head, I guess, for me in business was really realizing that it's not freedom when you don't know your numbers and you don't know, here's what my margins are, here's where I can afford to put some more money towards, here's where I need to be careful, you know, because especially as your business grows and you're looking at scaling and writing advertising campaigns and what can you afford to pay to acquire a client in different pieces, you got to know your numbers for it to make sense. I've had so many people come in and we start looking at what they're doing and I'm like, you, you, I see what an average client value is for you. You are losing money on this campaign, and they don't run their numbers, so they have no idea, Mm -hmm. Um, and really accepting and embracing the idea that discipline in certain areas is what buys you the freedom in other areas is really one of those, okay, let's have an adult business type concepts.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the the big mistake that I made that I'm starting to see a lot of entrepreneurs take really seriously, and I'm really excited about this, we got to the point in our business where, where we celebrated. We said, yay, we're profitable. You know, It was a coffee oh, shop. It, yes. took, it took a while, but we were oh, like, yeah. yay, we're profitable. And then we were sitting down with one of our mentors celebrating this, and he was like, wait a minute, are you paying yourselves what you're really oh. worth? <laughs> and oh, we yeah. were like... Um, no, we're paying all of our bills, we're paying our staff, we're, you know, all those things, but we're not taking nearly what we're actually worth from the business. And he's like, well, then you're not profitable. Mm. And that, that really like was a gut punch to us and made us start to get serious about like, well, you know, we, we should pay ourselves at least, you know, a little bit better than living wage. If we're paying our staff more than we're paying ourselves, you know, there's something wrong here. Uh, yeah. And what I see as a solution to that, um, I've come across it in the last couple years, is uh, the profit first model that uh, has been written about and talked yes. about by Mike Michalowicz. And I use that in my business now. A lot of my clients are using it and wow. seeing such great results from it. Uh, and it's fun to see that. And then we can talk about, like, what do you do with your profit then? Right. you know. How how do you save that for retirement or for that down payment or you know what are what are you gonna do with your owner's compensation and that that like people you know are get excited about that you know how can we pay your taxes and like have that tax account work for you yeah instead of, you know, against you so. The, I get really excited about those kind of questions. <laughs>
0: I was really excited so you said taxes. No kidding. Right, right. Um, <laughs> no, that is that is something that it's funny because I hear people all the time talk about, you know, the living wage kind of thing. And I know so many entrepreneurs who they're living on whatever's left after the basics get paid, and they're not looking at it like this. This is something that you get a paycheck from too. You are not your business. You have to make that step of paying yourself out as owner or as whatever role you're um, in in your business, Uh, and it's one of those things that you're right, a lot of entrepreneurs make that mistake of just not separating themselves and looking at, am I actually profitable when I pay myself? Yep. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And then if you can get
2: to the point where you pay yourself first and then figure out all the expenses after that, which is what Mike uh, really yeah. promotes, that is a beautiful scenario and a lot more freeing. And, you know, in terms of the clarity that you have with how you spend your money within your business right. and all of
0: that. Right. Absolutely. So what are some things that you see entrepreneurs doing right when it comes to managing their money and building wealth?
2: Yeah. Well, so definitely following that profit first model. Um, also looking at that whole picture, you know, if they're paying 20% uh, toward a credit card and they're making, let's even say 8% in the stock market, they're still losing money. Right. So like, and you know, realize that looking at it as one wallet, you know, not separating things out like that. Um, and then, you know, really like making sure their, their destiny is in their own future. So, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that depend on a platform. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we could name them Facebook, Amazon, you know, something yeah. like that to build their business. Yeah. And if they can take that into their own hands you know, through an email list mm-hmm. or through having their own website and selling products there, you know, that, yeah. that I think is key for the future so that no matter what happens to some of those giants, you know
0: you've got a business still absolutely you know I've I used to hear people talk about that when it came to content and the idea the phrase they used was digital sharecropping are you building on somebody else's land that yeah right now you have access to that but at any moment it could disappear that's out of your control so put your content put your products put your business where you have control over it that's a great reminder yeah
2: yeah yeah and then you can do the same with your money too and Instead of it being in the stock market where someone else has control over what it, what's going to happen, what if it was in something that you owned, kind of like your business, but maybe it's a, a mutual insurance company, as an example, or maybe it's in a credit union where you get to have control over and say over how it's growing um, and complete, you know, complete control over what's going to happen with it in the future?
0: absolutely you know so one question I try to ask everybody that comes on the show is what is your favorite thing about what you do in business I
2: love talking with people one-on-one or like as a couple you know like and the, having those long conversations really digging into what drives them and motivates them and then putting together a strategy that that fits with them uniquely I I just love that I get to do that every day
0: I can see where that would be fun because I think a lot of people dread the idea of financial statements and that accountability and looking at the numbers. But what you just said, when you figure out what motivates people and you put a plan together based on that, that's got to just make them light up and realize, oh, this could be fun instead of something they dread.
2: Yeah, we had a, a client that when she first came to us, she said, I, I've lost the ability to dream. We haven't been able to dream wow. for years. And then by the time, you know, the strategy was in place, had started working, she was in a store and saw a binder that had a big, you know, dream big written across it. And that was just her aha moment. She's like, I can do this now. And she got that. And that's where she's writing her dreams and recording like those things that she wants to go after in her life. And to see that happen for people, that just if I, if like, I can die happy now, you know. <laughs>
0: Love that. That's awesome. All right. Well, for everybody listening, you can connect with Amanda, find out more about what she's up to, have maybe that one-on-one conversation with somebody who can help you take a look at the bigger picture, uh, at grandmaswealthwisdom.com. Or if you're listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere podcasts are, just type grandma's wealth wisdom in the search bar. You can find her podcast that way. And, uh, take a listen. It might just be something that would help you to look at wealth and look at your finances in personal as well as business a little bit differently and figure out what's a plan that's going to get you excited and dreaming again. Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Absolutely. All right. For everybody listening, please rate, review, like, subscribe, Wherever you're at, leave me some feedback. Let me know uh, what you loved or if you have a specific guest in mind you'd like to see. I'd love to know that too. And we will see you back again for another episode soon. Thanks for tuning in.